0: Everyone, D.S.O. here with the Dad Starting Over podcast. And with me today, once again, is the lovely and talented Mrs. D.S.O.
1: Oh. I get swirly cloud music now? No, I not want that. <laughs> no, I won't go back to the unicorn music. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly me in essence. Okay,
0: we've already annoyed everyone. <laughs> Uh, so like we do every time we come up with an idea for what are we going to talk about in the podcast now that you're here and you have time available, which is rare for those that don't know, Mrs. DSO is a medical doctor. More specifically, she is a surgeon who operates on children and that requires a great deal of her time hours. And she is on call a lot, like half the time you're on call, which means you could get a call at 3 a.m. Please come and fix this kid. He needs you right now and you got to go. So to have you. Available for these is kind of a semi rare treat. What are we doing? Like once a month, maybe? Mm, yeah. Maybe. <clears throat> so, anyway, thank you, Mrs. Diaz, so for coming. But we were on a uh, walk yesterday. What are we going to talk about? And um, do we want to do another one about sex? Yeah, maybe later because that is surprise, surprise, the most popular podcast we've done so far is where we talked about our sex life. But I thought, um, or we thought... All those perfs out
1: there listening on yeah, that. exactly.
0: <laughs> so we thought, let's talk about money. Money, how we manage the whole money thing, joint finances, all that stuff. Getting kind of ahead of ourselves. Um, where to begin with this? We're, think- we're not talking about the concept of money in general. <laughs> we're not going to get into <laughs> economics here. What we're talking about is uh, how we as a couple handle money manage money what's our philosophy on money
1: well and how money can be a deal breaker in a lot of relationships mm. as it was in my parents relationship mm. and uh, i told you about my friend isla and her husband and the step kids yesterday on the walk
0: yes i'm sorry you threw me with the fake name because <laughs> i'm like oh what? shit i don't do not remember an Isla. <laughs> but yeah okay now yeah, i'm with you now
1: Yeah, so i think so um, it's an issue big issue. i think just like sex um money can be a destroy destroying a marriage if it doesn't do if if it's not done right
0: here's the question in general do you think that um if we were to poll people and say i guess people that are divorced maybe that's not right married people rank these items in in a typical relationship in 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 terms of most important that you two are on the same page Here's a good way of looking at it and you could put sex and kids and money um, where do you think that ranks for men? Money. Where do you think money ranks for men versus women?
1: I would say it ranks higher for women than yeah, for men.
0: I would too, because and it's, as I've often uh, said on here, safety and security is paramount for women. And what makes you more safe and secure than having enough money in the bank mm-hmm. and not spending it frivolously and not? Well, I say that because um, when it comes to money, complaints I hear from men about their spouse is the wife is spending frivolously on stuff, even though she's probably not bringing in money. In other words, it's kind of a coping mechanism for the woman. She's not getting what she needs out of life, et cetera. And it sure makes her feel good to buy those shoes. And the guy's like, we don't have money for the shoes. And then he discovers the wife has been racking up all kinds of debt. That's a common thing, but that we're not talking about that necessarily. Um Yeah, but I agree. Uh, probably if you were to poll people, it'd be the women that come out ahead as far as, uh, money's a big big thing for them which is why sadly and a lot of people a lot of men that are really um oh badly hurt by women and disenfranchised with the whole relationship thing will point to that fact that it's so important to women as kind of well there you go that's all women care about they're gold diggers they're money grubbing whatever um and To their point, a lot of the sad stories I hear from men that I talk to in divorce is, well, when did things start falling apart for you guys? I lost my job. Mm -hmm. Well, what happened? Well, I lost it. We got laid off. The company closed, and it took me like six months to find another job. And in that time, I saw my wife's respect for me go down. She was way too stressed about bills and everything else. Sex, forget it. That was way gone. And so I felt bad. I didn't feel wanted anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, we're divorced, and she's running off with some guy who makes a good income um when you look at that pragmatically yeah it makes sense right?
1: yeah i don't think it's necessarily shallow i think it's shallow if a if a woman marries a guy for money so that she can go off and buy pretty purses and pretty shoes uh, that's shallow obviously but yeah. if um if a woman marries and they plan to have kids um and finds out the husband has the you know has been laid off or there's going to be a dip for a while in the income for the woman all those dreams and hopes and ideas go down down the drain um not only that the way the way at least that she put it in her head you know that doesn't mean that you can't have kids when you're short on the money but
0: what are we going to do for money yeah what, what if people this is a big one that really gets under a lot of men's skin what are people going to think if they find yeah. out that my husband is unemployed and that we're having to skimp on things and we have to have a garage sale to pay the mortgage well just month?
1: like the yeah but it's like the purses and the shoes for women it's all about what do other people think of me and how does this look on the outside we're social beings we it's important to us how our appearance is reflected by the others mm-hmm. back to us so i think as shallow as that may be i I don't necessarily think it's just shallow i think it's just how we're wired
0: it's just reality
1: yeah and i i would argue that i would feel the same way that if you told me tomorrow um yep this is all not working out and i'm not making any money anymore and for the next year it's all going to be you oof i'd have a hard time taking that i'd feel super nervous and stressed and anxious i don't know how you guys do that
0: yeah versus if i were to come to you and say this dso thing didn't work out i'm getting sued um, somebody out there calls himself DSO and he's got billions of dollars and he's suing me for copyright infringement. He's <laughs> made that up. I don't know. So this DSO thing is done. I'm on to plan B. Um, I think to your point, I better have a plan B pretty quick. Yeah. At least on paper and say, this is what I'm striving for. And I think you'd be like, well, look at this guy. He's been hit, but he's still trying versus a lot of guys are, um, you know, this is a lot of guys recognize what you're talking about, which is, um, yeah, it's a big freaking deal for us women which is why there's the sad sad story of the man who gets fired or laid off from work but he still quote goes to work and the wife has no idea mm. and all he does is go to a coffee shop and call wanted you know help wanted ads or get on the phone and call his friends or worst case sits in a parking lot all day and drinks
1: that makes me so sad um,
0: well, just because he knows what a mind f it's going to be and how much is going to completely ruin his life and he'll lose respect in the in the wife's eyes if he goes to her and says, I, I've lost my job.
1: On the flip side, we live in a time where women are sometimes the main breadwinners and mm-hmm. um, where the pressure is a little bit off the guys. Cause can you imagine in the fifties and sixties when the men were solely responsible for everything, mm-hmm. the p- financial bills, any, and they couldn't even talk openly to, to the wives about it. And they just had to carry all that with them. If they lost their jobs, they, They lost everything. And nowadays, most of the time, or a lot of the time, we shared 50-50, or the women actually put in a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So the pressure should be less, and it should be more of a combined effort to get through life together, shouldn't it? You would think so, yeah. Yet, I think in perception… yeah. Even if the woman is the main breadwinner, she'll still be like, well, dude, you need to, you know, you need to bring stuff yeah. too.
0: There's a, there's a story I, I put in one of my books of the, uh, and I mentioned this on a previous podcast episode we did, where one of my readers said, um, my wife worked at a big company, which everybody in town wanted to work for. It was one of the big corporations in town. and But she wasn't, she was making okay money, but not great money. I was actually, this is the guy talking, I was actually making more money than she was. But I didn't have a corporate job. I had several small jobs strung together, which all together made me more income. But she was still embarrassed, even though I made like, I think you made like twice what she did. Um, She was still embarrassed to tell people, yeah, my husband does this thing and this other little thing and this other little thing versus he's the vice president of sales of Acme Company.
1: I know. You know, I have always a hard time explaining to people what you do. (laughs) They always ask well, me, what does your husband do? First of all, why do people do that? Why do people ask? What does your spouse do? Who cares?
0: It's a it's a it's small just, talk thing. It that, is, but it know, just bothers me. What, it, it's a stupid. It really is, because when you're sensitive about it, it's like, what does it matter what I do? Dude, who cares? I, yeah. I'm, I'm unemployed. Now what? now what? We have nothing in common? Are you done talking to me? Yeah, I just don't get <laughs> it. you get it. You just It's just a... Uh, I get it. It's just a question yeah. like, hey, but how's the weather? Yeah. Uh, but you're also doubly in the weird thing of the dad starting over thing. Um, that could really rub some people the wrong way if they started looking into. Some oh, I don't of
1: this ever stuff. say anything like that. I just say you're a b- life coach, influencer, person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we need to work on this. <laughs> we, we need a speech that you could just throw out there. Boom, boom. That yes, will,
1: maybe maybe I can just do like he's an import and export. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: an importer exporter. Seinfeld <laughs> reference. <laughs> it's Vandelay Industries. We're in latex. Okay. Um,
1: so so can we talk anyway. about our finances? Cause
0: yeah, I was going to say. So, you know, where we stand in the world of fill in the blank, anything, is based upon the baggage that we bring to the table, right? So when it comes to money, I know where I stand money-wise, and I saw where things got squirrely in marriage number one, and I see I am the very first to admit this. I am very prejudiced, right or wrong, but it's the fact I'm very prejudiced by the fact of all these hundreds of guys that I've spoken to, and there are stories of woe when it comes to finances and so forth, and being married. So all that together, my own baggage, my mom and dad, my first marriage, and yeah, I come to the table with where I'm at now, which is very much of um, what some people would say is probably a, a kind of selfishy, non traditional view on finances and marriage. And I think, fortunately you probably agree 99 percent with that
1: and interestingly because i too have a history <laughs> um, my parents had a horrible financial situation where my mom got dragged into financial mishaps and it basically ate up all our my basically my my uh what is it called my estate her estate Whatever I will inherit. Whatever
0: nest egg she had of money. Yeah, exactly. It was just gone. Well, what you saw was, not to go into too much detail, but what you saw was one parent being dependent upon the other for their well-being, and that parent, the the earner, let them down. And things got very Mm, hairy. They're not just,
1: they no, no, no. So what I saw was people marrying each other for money. My mom married a man because she thought he was wealthy. My my stepdad was like stupid wealthy at some point in the 70s. And so she saw him at on the downfall of that, but didn't realize it was the downfall. And um, she saw this man who owned a hotel and had, you know, had... F- flies to haircuts flies for haircuts to Paris and buys shoes in New York flying there with the Concorde like that kind of stupid that kind of level of wealth and uh, yeah. so she met him she was like oh this guy is going to take care of me and my kid because my mom was a, um, a elementary school teacher and so she was worried about not being able to finance my life and her life and so she married him and he because my mom came from money he saw her back and my mom is always very well dressed and always very stylish and so she looks much more wealthy than she is she fits is. the part yeah and so he was like oh I'm going to marry this woman who comes from old money and um so they both i'm sure they married each other for love too but they just felt that they had a great deal there and um what happened is my mom relied on his money A great deal um and at the end it turned out that his company wasn't doing well at all they went bankrupt but then what then happened is he had her co-sign a loan to Mm. save his company and dragged like i think there was hundreds of thousands that uh, he he pulled out of her account that was pretty much all the money she had from her parents and um so I think that just didn't go well. And, uh, I, I, I was in the middle of all that watching the, the misery that came out of that, the, the bitterness, the hate mm-hmm. and just see two people that were already having a st- difficult marriage, but they were falling apart over this. Then I had my own first marriage too. And, um, I had a slightly selfish ex-husband who was always about, why should I? pay for anything that you do why should i give you any money and um i think i learned from that for our next marriage for my next marriage for this marriage <laughs> next <laughs> so we uh i remember when we um when we were talking about getting married it wasn't even difficult to bring up Mm-mm. how to deal with that mm-hmm. because it was just kind of very matter of fact hey we know this can fail the statistics are against us Let's just make sure we're both comfortable with how we divvy up our finances. And the big thing that comes in here, and I think that's a very common scenario today, is with the with the blended families, is that you had three kids, and I had no kid. And uh, my biggest concern was, what if I somehow get dragged into, mm. you know, your ex wife's business and and having to take care of your kids financially? I, I neither do I want to nor I mean, I, I might want to, but I didn't want to be forced into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had just worked my butt off to get financially where I was. And when I met you as a fellow, I wasn't making much.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. The dynamic of our yeah. um, uh, relationship when we first met was I wasn't making a lot. I was okay. Um, but I'm um, pretty good with my, this is kind of a, this is a side topic we can table for later, but it was um, on paper how much did i make roughly less than half of what i make now i made then when we first met but i had more money in the bank then as single newly divorced guy how funny <laughs> and you needed some help with like moving for your first job and stuff and mm-hmm. i helped bankroll you know here's you need you know you need this much for moving you need this much for this you need some stuff and you were still coming out of that fellowship and not making a whole heck of a lot. So, yeah, I'll help you out. Here you go. And you paid all that right back to me. So, it wasn't like a free loan or something.
1: That's easy on an attending salary, though.
0: And yeah, so once you got your paychecks, here you go. Write me a check. So, thank you very much. Um, now, not so much. Um, I'm making over twice as much, but how much do I have in the bank? If you were to say, I need help moving, I'd be like, eh.
1: that's because <laughs> you have a very uh, costly wife.
0: Thank you. I was going yeah. <laughs> to. I mean,
1: that okay. Valentine's Day present L- was pretty.
0: <laughs> you, you kind of painted a picture of your family being coming from old money, but to your credit, I, you know, I don't want to say you didn't get a penny of that. I
1: didn't get much, thanks nothing. to my stipend. Yeah, yeah. You
0: don't. You don't. You you may have. You may be able to look at your uncle and say, "Look at him. He's got this big company and so forth." But that hasn't really helped you along the way. You did all that yourself by virtue of you went to medical school, which in where you come from in Europe was covered by.
1: It's the yeah, It's fi- financed by the taxes.
0: Yeah. How, how so cool med school so is was free. completely free. Her university, Germany. medical school, everything was free. And then she comes to the States for the training. And she worked all through those years. It went through a marriage as a result of that. And got divorced. And now here she is an attending physician. in year number what of being an attending? Is this year five?
1: Uh, it's the sixth year.
0: This is the sixth year of being an attending. So you've made your own thing. You've, you've earned your keep, so to speak. We're not talking about some kept woman here, right?
1: No, but what I th- here, would what helped with that was that I grew up in an aura of money. There was a lot of people. My, my all my friends were wealthy, way wealthier. That my parents were never wealthy. They just had that, you know, because my mom came from money. She was used to a certain standard of living, and so she somehow kept it up on the outside. What I didn't know as a kid was that my mom would party and clean in the same estates. Like, she would go to a very, very nice houses, be friends with those people, would show up there at the parties. But then what I didn't know was that during the week she would clean their houses.
0: Wow. funny? So yeah. she, she is, from the outside, looking in, if you don't know, she fit the part of, well, that's a well-to-do woman right yes, there. Yes, totally. Yeah. But to her credit, though, she wasn't above saying – Hey, by the way, when I leave your party, oh, she
1: I, worked hard her whole yeah, life.
0: Leave the mess; yes. I'll clean it up. You pay me hundred bucks; I'll clean up the
1: mess. Yes, away. and that's what I think. That's what I learned from my mom. My mom learned how to how to live both the life of rags and riches. Like she, we would it's go to the fanciest yeah. hotels in Paris, but we wouldn't live there. We would just go there for tea time, and look like all the oh, fancy you, you people live
0: there. You mean you wouldn't stay in the room? Yeah, we wouldn't stay at the hotel. We just yeah. go to
1: the tea time, look fancy, and mm. then go to the well, cheaper hotel down the road.
0: Um, but a person like me, who comes from my mother was poor in Europe. My father came from basically white trash in, in uh, America, but they both made something of themselves as a result. Um, a person like me from my background looks at that and just kind of rolls my eyes that there's some people playing the part. Why bother? Do you look at that as it was kind of a silly time of going through those motions of of
1: I think it was. I think it was very shallow on my yeah, mom's shallow, end, but I think she defined bit. herself by by being able to keep that up on the outside because she didn't have much else that she accomplished in life. That's a horrible thing to say, but that's just mm. how she felt. I think, yeah. and um, um, but and I liked it because I think it t- showed me both. I'm I'm now comfortable camping with you know pooping in the woods, but I'm also just as comfortable walk going to the five star resort, and and I know how to. You know, work the people there, and let I.
0: Let me pause you there. Yeah. Have you pooped in the
1: woods? <laughs> yes, I actually have.
0: You're, the, you're one up on me there. Right? I was
1: with <laughs> the Girl Scouts. I was oh, 13. Oh well, that doesn't
0: really count. <laughs> Girl Scouts.
1: I've pooped in the woods since then. It's been a while.
0: Are we talking like there was an outhouse?
1: No, there was like a beam across. Like there was a hole in the ground.
0: Oh, there's a hole in the ground. I'm just not like you're like a like a bear out there. Just no. <laughs> no, that's. Good. Why are we talking? Don't you? Because this is so not you that I cannot imagine. <laughs> you just do that like. Well, a, I mean, if you. But I like how you, when you, to illustrate the two, <laughs> the two endpoints here. One is, I, I can slum it with the rest. You could have said like, man, I could drink a beer in a dive bar, or. But no, you picked. I could take a shit outdoors like anybody else. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs>
1: Well, I'm German.
0: This is true. Here we go. It always comes back to shit with you guys. It's it? really
1: tough. <laughs> All right, moving on. Shite. So, how do we do our finances?
0: Okay. So, so now we have a fl- We have a feeling for the flavor of baggage that you bring and how that has colored your perception of money. Uh, my perception was one of my, my mom and dad were never frivolous, but my dad was way more impulsive with money than mom was, uh, to where he'd be like, look, new computer. You know, it's, you know, new computers not a frivolous thing. But my mom at the time, I remember in the nineties, it was well, yeah. And my, I remember my mom at the time was just rolling her eyes, like, oh, of course, you know, God forbid we save this. Well, at the time they were pricey, like probably two grand or yeah. something like that for a computer. At the CD-ROM, I remember it was a huge deal at the time. Um, that's the first thing that sticks out of my mind is something that my mom rolled her eyes at. My mom is, um, by virtue of her neuroses and so forth, is extremely conservative with money. But to her credit, she's also the type that, uh, you know, you're in some life moment. You're getting married or something like that. And she writes you a big fat check that makes you go, oh, shit. I, <laughs> I had no idea this woman is the type of person to have this kind of money. What the hell? And she's like, yeah, I, I never spend it. Um, she worked really hard. She was an accountant. So there you go. Um, so I grew up with an ultra financially fiscally conservative person who was an accountant they knew in and out here's how you save here's what you spend and don't spend here's how you deal with taxes and don't deal with taxes versus the guy who's kind of like hey look a computer i want it um so i learned from the two of them and they probably both were I, my father really wasn't a huge spender to the point of being we weren't in the poorhouse or anything like that but um he probably could have Turn it down a little bit my mom sure could have loosened up a little bit so that's what i bring to the table and i probably lean more towards my mom in that regard would, would you agree yeah i would agree yeah,
1: which work. is good because i lean more towards your dad
0: to where you're like <laughs> why don't you just buy that thing and i'm just like because i can't afford it and you're like yeah you can <clears throat> no i could write a check for that thing but i don't want to i'd much prefer to hang on to that five hundred dollars or whatever Um, and you see, uh, when I get clothes, I wear those clothes until they're worn out and like, oh shit, I guess I gotta get another pair of pants. Um, that's just me. I would love to line the walls in this office with cool guitars and I'm looking at them all the time on YouTube, but then I look at that and I go, it's, it's only 600 bucks, but that's 600 bucks, you know? And I'm I'm self-employed now. That's another thing being uh, fully, basically completely self-employed now. Uh, really, you don't know if tomorrow's going to be a ten thousand dollar day or if tomorrow's going to be a ten dollar day. Yeah, just more risk. And so when you look and see six hundred dollar guitar, eh, I think I'll just hang on to that six hundred bucks.
1: But I mean, that goes for anything in life. You know, tomorrow the we could have a a major crash, economy crash. Um, Inflation is already terrible. I mean, it, there's you just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The next pandemic yeah. might be around the corner. Yeah. Who knows? Um, so I think it's extremely smart to pile up your money as much as you can and and i i did both i i used to live from paycheck to paycheck um i I remember counting my bills when i was in med school trying to figure out how many days i could live on ramen Mm. and um now like when i started having my my now my salary in the beginning i was like oh i want to save it all because it's it's so nice to see it grow in the bank account And I still love that feeling because, you know, tomorrow your car breaks down and you don't have to cry about it and you just fix it and move on with life. And I think that's an extremely important thing to have. That's a
0: good thing. So we both agree that money is not necessarily, um, money doesn't buy happiness, but it sure as hell makes things easier. It It buys
1: you a security blanket.
0: Yeah, not in terms of I get to buy those cool Yeezys. Um, which I, by the way, bought, which is awesome. You can afford to. You wanted the Yeezys. Awesome. I'm a sneakerhead. So, hey, that's cool. But um, in terms of I don't have to do be fill in the blank because I have money. I don't have to worry about fill in the blank because I have money. Um, oh, shit. The market tanked. That's fine. I don't have a car payment anymore uh, or even to me the the pinnacle would be I own my house free and clear. Wow, how cool would that be and how unusual that would be just to have all that money and equity in the bank and I'll have that monthly payment coming out every month. Um, that kind of stuff. So what I just said there is pretty fiscally conservative and we both agree on that. We both shake our heads like, yeah, that would be pretty cool to pay off the house. But at the same time, you are more of the um, – High maintenance, just say. It. High maintenance in terms of um,
1: – I like my purses. Well,
0: that and, hey, let's go on a cruise to uh, Europe.
1: Yeah, let's go which on is, a safari great, in Africa.
0: Which is great, and I'm all for it, which we are going on here soon. But I tell you, if you left it to me, would I have thought of that? It would be in the back of my mind. I know the concept of cruises. I know the concept of travel. But to throw that together and spend all that money for us to go, I'd probably be like, eh, i got other things to worry about.
1: But that's where I think some of my upbringing plays in, but also my approach of YOLO, You you know.
0: Exactly. You're more of the dude, you can't take the money with you.
1: No, you can't. And I think you have to take some money with you, but you also make memories. And as we get older, our days are very precious. Our kids are moving out, and
0: you want to have to make memories with them. That was something that was sorely lacking for me as a kid, is I had a dad who was traveling for the military a lot. So he would be, uh, you know, he went to Turkey for like four months, and then came home, and then he went to uh, Norway for two months. And, you know, all these weird bases that the Air Force sent him to where he'd go for these projects and come back. And none of them was... Well, one was active duty. That was uh, when we went to war with Iraq. He had to go over there for a little while. So maybe that made him kind of hesitant about, oh, great, more travel? I don't think so. So when he was home, he was home. And he's like, ah. And, you know, my mom, she's not going to be one like, hey, let's go. No, she's Well, your just- mom
1: came from Spain, so she probably didn't have the – Like a huge interest in going to Spain all the time. No,
0: but uh, I, you know, in listening to her family, they were relatively poor, so they weren't jumping over to France, although she had one sister who lived there, another one that moved to Germany, another one that moved everywhere. So, um, but she did, she wasn't eager, like, let's go to these national parks. Let's go do this. I remember hearing from friends, like, we went to uh, Glacier National Park. We went to Yosemite. And I was like, why don't we do that? We did end up going to Disney once when I was a kid. And we went to Mammoth Cave National Park, which was just a few hours drive from Indiana. That's all I remember. Well, I went to Spain as a kid with my mom during a few summers. So that's pretty big, right? And for you. I got to stay there for months at a time to the point where I was picking up the language. You know, that's kind of cool. Um, which is where my, I think I meant, yeah, where my mom's from Spain. So I got to see all my family there. So, but relatively blah, extravagant. No, um, we lived in a shitty little house when I was a kid that we were. <laughs> My, um, we moved into a house that cost, I remember $20,000. Oh, wow. But, and this is kind of a, a, a That's awesome. I almost get a little emotional talking about it. Cause it was such a, it was such a, um, impactful thing as a kid that I was embarrassed by our home because it was so shitty. Um, because it was a $20,000 home that they bought because my dad was Mr. Remodel guy And he looked at it and said, this house has good bones, good structure. It's old, but look at this thing. They don't build houses like this anymore. We're going to gut the thing and we're going to put in this and new rooms. And to his credit, he did with his own hands and me helping and spending hours and hours on it, but it was very stressful and it took nine
1: years. Yeah, but how awesome is that? You built it
0: nine years, Yeah, but all your
1: blood and sweat is in it.
0: My childhood went into, I remember home rooms in our house were blocked off with plastic. You don't mm. go there because that's being worked on. Um, the kitchen's being worked on right now. So we're the bathroom for running water. Don't um, drive me nuts. And it, this was something that, boy, we're really going off on a tangent here, but this was something that you and I have talked about where kids these days are very much shown again and again. You are number one in this family, you kid. Um, we will move hell and high water to to provide for you, kid. And if you kid want to go to travel all over the country for your sport, or whatever. I'll we, go with you. We as a family will do that. We will pay for all this thousands of dollars and stay in hotels and travel in the caravan of vehicles. That's foreign to me. I it, the, the concept when I was a kid, the image was very much of, you're the kid. And you kind of come after mom and dad.
1: Bottom of the food chain.
0: Definitely bottom of the food chain. And yeah, that's the
1: same with me. I just had to kind of follow along.
0: And so that remodeling the house for nine years, guess whose room became dead last? Yours. I had to sleep on the couch for a good amount of time oh. because we were working on my house. So that was, the, the image was... It sucked, I was embarrassed for the house being always worked on. It was really shitty at the beginning. It got better and the house actually looked really nice towards the end, but just living in that condition and it was very frugal. My dad never paid a person to come in and do anything. He did the plumbing, the electrical. We even ripped up the floor joists and put all new floors in for construction. guys, listen to that. They are like, wow, that's a pretty big deal. Reframed everything, all new everything in there, but it took, that was my whole childhood. Was that, that
1: explains. I didn't know that about you. See, after all these years. I, still I thought I No, no I think yeah, so. that's it. Never in this much detail. I um, It explains now why you're so much more tolerant of chaos around you than I am. Like, Could I have be. zero, <laughs> zero. Like, if there's a painting on the wall that's crooked, I lose my my, my marbles. Mm. And you are but, just fine with that because
0: you, you grew up. But in I'm it. pretty uh, big on cleaning a lot. I'm always sweeping. I'm always Yeah, you're always working. You're never I'm sitting still. I'm always doing still. that because it's, yeah. I, I, this house we're in right now is the nicest place I've ever lived in in my entire life. And I pay a lot of money every month to live here. And so I'm very proud of it. And I want to take care of it. And if I see dirt on the floor, crumbs on the floor, which with three, four kids, it's always crumbs. (laughs) Yes. I'm always cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. So you get a flavor of the baggage that I bring to the relationship. Yes. So
1: we kind of went off on a tangent. You're right. But hey,
0: it it paints a picture of where we're at, right? Because all this has to do with money. Yes. Why did my parents buy a shitty home when I was a little kid for $20,000 and fix it up, et cetera, et cetera? Well, money. Why did you end up uh, going for the career that you did? Was money a big oh, yeah. factor?
1: No, actually it wasn't. I went into my career because I really genuinely was passionate about the the science behind it. I just was completely excited about learning everything about the human body.
0: Why didn't you go for like a professorship or I something I
1: did like consider uh, going more into microbiology or genetics. But then um, in med school, you know, you rotate through all the services and departments. And I just love the idea of the quick fixing. You know, the surgeon hero comes in. And i'm a crafty person i love crafts i love working with my hands so i just love mm-hmm. being in the operating room it can be five hours of operating it feels like 10 minutes to me it's just the place i want to be uh, but we, again we, but so i never thought of money when i went into medical school The first day of medical school they actually told us um half of you won't get a job and you will never really make much money because in germany as a physician you don't really make a lot of money um we're definitely not the top earners mm-hmm. and here that was just kind of, I was just fortunate that I ended up staying here and ended up getting a job here. And here it's very different. But to be honest, yes, I make about eight times as much as I would have made as a German physician. Really? That oh, more. yeah, it's ridiculous. Jesus. But I would. I'm. I feel like I'm just as, as poor as I would be over there because here, childcare well, cost costs, so yes, yeah, yeah, the cost worse. of living yeah. is just so much higher here. Everything costs mm. more. And, uh, well, let's put it this way. I think the cost of living can be just fine – if you don't want to live on a European level, but I want no, you know, no. I want to live like I live in Europe. So I want my organic produce. <laughs> I want my, I want everything to just feel right. I want my, you know, my fixtures to be good, sturdy stuff. I want my houses to be sturdy and not those, you know, those cute little toothpick constructions you guys do. I want like a, a house made of stone. And so I have these these ideas of how things should be because I grew up in a different culture. And so that is obviously a lot more expensive. And so I feel like the, the standard of living that I'm used to is just higher here. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, it's, it's it's more costly here. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. I feel like I, I'm still not making enough. But again, we, we're losing what we want to talk about because we still have to talk about Isla and her situation. So, <laughs> so we both, we talked about it, right? Pretty emotionless. We just said, hey, how do we... Should we talk about prenup? Should we do this or not?
0: So those that don't know, prenup is short for prenuptial agreement, which is basically a piece of paper that you sign with an attorney that says, in the event that this marriage doesn't work out, here's what happens with our money. Do you agree? Yes. Then sign here. Great. Done. Now, to me, just what I described there is a pretty pragmatic, rational, well, who the hell wouldn't want to do that kind of thing? And why I wish I would have done that in marriage number one, to be honest with you, knowing what I know now. But let's be honest, I, I, in full transparency, I was not screwed over in, in, marriage number one. It was a fair split. Now the case could be made of a split of debts where half went to me, half went to her. Who was responsible for 90% of that debt? Probably her, but hey, it is what it is. And I get it and whatever, but assets were also split. So I came out smelling pretty good out of that compared to a lot of these guys other, I speak yeah. to. Um, but. Uh, as I mentioned very early on in this, it was also colored by all of these stories I hear from all these other guys of, dude, let me tell you how bad it could get. I mean, I heard story, I Probably the the stereotypical bad story I hear from men is um, I provided for this woman. I really helped her get ahead in life. I paid for schooling. I paid for this. I paid for that. And uh, I did everything by the book as far as I'm concerned. And in the end, she left me for this guy over here the pool boy whatever it is and because of that i have lost um my home my retirement my savings legal fees i'm wiped out as a result and you hear that you know i mean i don't care who you are you hear that 500 times like i probably have eventually it sinks in and you go shit is there a way to you know hedge my bets and you know mitigate and prevent this from happening to me and that's where the law comes in and says yeah there's something called a prenuptial agreement which is probably not completely ironclad and 100% safe, but it's something that says, hey, in the event that this doesn't work out for whatever reason, here's what happens to money. So I'm like, sign me up.
1: Yeah. Um, and those of you who think that's either highly unromantic or extremely unchristian, I hear you guys. Uh, how? Why on earth would you, in the same sentence as you talk about getting married for life, also talk about, well, hey, what, but what happens if we don't end up being together for life? That's just the worst really the worst thing you can do it just just doesn't come across well so if it doesn't already come up in conversation naturally it's also a really difficult thing to bring up like hey will you marry me yeah here's your ring uh so you want to you want to talk about finances now so there's just there's just no way to bring that up
0: yeah in the event that this well. doesn't work out what do you mean doesn't work out are you what no i'm just saying you never know what man- now let's let's say this i just spelled out the worst case which is one of the people says, adios, I'm going to go with a different partner. Thank you very much. I'll be taking all your money. But there are other things that could happen that could cause you to split up. Um, what if one of you became... Um, Sick. Well, hit by a bus Just, and, okay. and, and, and goes away. Well, do you have all your finances taken care of in terms of insurance, in terms of who pays what, and do you have money that's going to come to you? And if, if that money does come to you, how is it supposed to be dispersed? Um, that's kind of a... That's a not as um, loaded. Yeah, loaded. very good. Yeah, not as loaded thing. That seems pretty cut and dry for many people. Actually, good segue, it's not so cut and dry because your friend, whose fake name we used was? Isla. Isla. <laughs> um, she had a discussion with her, her now husband who comes to the table with two, three kids? Three kids. Three kids from a previous marriage. And uh, she makes more money than him as a medical professional. And the topic of, hey, if something happens to you, what do we do with this chunk of money that you have coming to you? And uh, much to his chagrin, she was kind of like, well, I'm not paying for your kids, if that's what you're thinking.
1: Well, here's another <laughs> so thing to add. She has yeah. her own kids. So they they married, and then they had one kid, and actually the second one is on the way. All right. So. And so she says, "Why I worked hard to get where I am, and I worked hard for my kid. I didn't work for some other person's kids. Plus, those kids three kids have a parent set of parents so they are taken care of why would they need a third parent to financially provide for
0: them and he i I don't know them well at all having only met them a couple times but he comes across to me as probably the more soft of the two he's very laid back and so i could see him being hurt by that like whoa you don't want to take care of my kids what the hell which was kind of his reaction was it not
1: i think it was uh, he was a little bit disappointed and um I think they found a kind of middle grounds by by saying the life insurance Mm -hmm. that she set up is going to him. And then he obviously can do whatever he wants with it instead of her kid. Like she could have written out the life insurance to her kid. Uh, But she's probably,
0: as an aside, dude. Take care of our two kids primarily, please. <laughs> oh, who knows? But yeah, don't go. But, the, but I think they
1: things found things. somewhat of an agreement. But uh, yeah. I don't necessarily think he 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 was mad about it. But he was just probably a little mm-hmm. bit um, surprised that she wasn't bit. embracing yeah. um, financially, also taking care of the kids. But I think he's understanding, given especially that now they're having two kids, well, that she would want to save primarily for them.
0: And the general theme of their relationship, as far as what we hear from her. Second hand is uh this doesn't surprise me to hear that. This has always been mm-hmm. kind of the tone between the two of them, where she's kind of resentful of the three kids. She's
1: not the, resentful, but she just got into their lives when they were teenagers, and I don't think there's the, anything harder than that. The, entering the
0: attention step that he kids gives to teenagers. them it was a little much, and like he was like, hey, teenagers over again. And she's like, I thought this was our day. you know? I thought they were with mom today. Well, they wanted to come, so I said, yeah, please come on over. And she's like, you could have asked me or first. Like, and,
1: yeah, like a wedding anniversary, he runs off to the soccer national championship with his teenage, teenage daughter, and she's like, um... It's just a soccer game dude. And he's like, yeah, but it's the soccer game. So the, I think there was also, she's from a different country. So I think there was also a cultural yeah. issue there, but I think um I, I can understand where she's coming from. And, and I also understand where, he, where he's coming from because he wants his kids taken care of. And you know, his ex-wife isn't necessarily the most trustworthy and he's a little worried about her part of the deal. And so I think he, as every dad, he just wants to make sure his three kids are taken care of. So they, The two of them found a solution where they established a a shared account that they both use and no questions asked. And he definitely uses it to pay for stuff for the kids. But the catch here is is that she, making more money every month, pays off that account on a regular basis just so that they don't ramp up interest charges and indirectly ends up paying for a lot of the stuff for the kids. And so she's super resentful about Mm -hmm. the fact that you know, a kid throws this throws this iPhone on the ground by accident. It has a crack. He needs a new iPhone. Dad goes it and buys it with the credit card that they share, and then stepmom pays off the credit card and sees, oh, there's a six hundred dollar charge for a new iPhone. What what the heck? Nobody told me about yeah, this. Yeah,
0: see, to me that's eh, that's a no no. I would really crack down on, if I were her in that regard. Like, no, we need to talk about this shit first before you just go spin it. And like,
1: yeah, she said she didn't want to bring it up because she doesn't want to come across as petty, but yeah, it bothered so, her a lot.
0: Well, there you go yeah I mean that's marriage 101 you got but, but let see that shit this out. is the that, thing that'll come up five years from now if exactly don't but
1: that's now. the thing that is why finances is unromantic and as unchristian as it is but it's a reality that there's going to be struggles along the road mm-hmm. and you have to d- discuss beforehand especially if you're in a blended family how you want to do it it doesn't have to be right after you pop the question and slip that ring on your finger but i think if you decide to marry somebody you're you're going to have to be comfortable to have the the difficult conversations. If you tick somebody off with wanting to have a conversation about it, that's not a good sign either.
0: I don't think so either, but that's our little worldview. And that's because of the baggage we bring based upon our first relationships, our, our mom and dad and everything else. A lot of people don't have that. A lot of people have the very traditional conservative of my mom stayed home and took care of the kids. And my dad worked really hard, 80 hours a week, whatever it is. And, um, that kind of shit was never talked about. It was, if my mom worked some little part-time job on the side or whatever, she threw it into a pool of their bank account, and they just paid for everything together, and it was never, a, there was never a question of, who put this $5 in? But that's put,
1: very different, because
0: mom- the, Yeah, the point could be made that that doesn't apply to these-
1: No, there's a, that's an unspoken, like that scenario where it's your first marriage, you meet young- You both are poor or, you know, just fresh out of college or whatever you've just done. And um, you start from scratch, both of you, and you build something together and you both put your part in, whether that's mom staying home, raising the kids or dad staying home or whatever you guys do, but you build your life together. And I would argue that hopefully both put equal amounts of work in, whatever that means. But I think giving birth to children and raising them and building your social network and making cakes for birthday parties and all that crap that counts too. And it's just as much as going to work every day counts and keeping a job for so many years. Um So I think that, that dividing that up 50, 50 is p- the best solution you can have if if that marriage ever falls apart. Cause you, there's no way you can put that on scales and say, oh, well, he, she worked, uh, she, she didn't work ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, she didn't really bake any cakes for the kids. So I don't think she deserves that much money. Uh, and, yeah, so you can't.
0: You're getting a weird little gray area there. Yeah, of, uh, you can't do that. And and then there's the whole question of well, let's say that in that scenario, the the woman runs off with the pool boy. Is she still? do all of the money as miss homemaker for 20 years in the relationship and taking care of the kids and everything else is was all that negated by the fact that she just said hey i'm running off the pool boy now Some it men should would, be some but men no it's in, not <laughs> exactly some some men you know caught up in that emotion would say hell yeah she that negates everything as far as i'm concerned well the law as far as they're concerned no it doesn't <clears throat> well, i can't imagine a more horrible fate than to go through that and then end up having to pay like two grand a month to this woman for alimony child support and then losing your house and losing your savings and your retirement and everything else that would really turn you. And those guys are like prenup. Absolutely. Why the hell wouldn't you do that? So if let's say this, you're with a woman and you you guys have been together for years and you're ready to pop the question and she's very underemployed, so to speak, compared to you, excuse me, or hell switch the genders. And he's, he's very underemployed, whatever partner one, partner two. And, um, you go, okay, but here's the deal. Um, after seeing what my mom and dad went through, after seeing what my friends went through, tell me your thoughts, be honest with you. What do you think about the whole prenup thing? Because that's what I'm leaning more towards let's do a prenup before we get married. And then partner two says, um, oh, hell no. If you do that, we're done. That right away makes me go, uh oh. Why are they so vehemently against that?
1: Exactly. Are they not wanting to put their part in into the marriage, or what is the deal with that?
0: There was a very, um, but you, you hinted at it when you talked about the Christian thing. We wouldn't don't want to limit it to just our Christian listeners, so to speak. But that's that's the world we know when we think of traditional conservative people. They come from the Christian faith, but I'm sure this applies to people. are Orthodox Jewish, Muslim, and so forth. They're very similar in their in their look at marriage and all this, and you have very strict what it means to be married. And I would assume that those religions probably all the same way. Prenup? Wh- what are you doing? No, no, that's that's not the way to do things. You're, you're starting off on the wrong foot already. Yeah.
1: Well, that's her- heretic. But, and I agree. I mean, uh, I find it extremely sad that we even have to talk about that because when you marry someone, isn't the plan that you grow old together and yet you go through thick and th- thin and everything together? So I agree. But setting up a prenup negates all that indirectly you know it mm-hmm. basically says yes i'm promising all this but just in case mm. <laughs> what does that mean you just said through you know through sickness and through health and yeah. poor and all that and uh, then you just say oh yeah but only if there's a prenup i will go through all of that with you and so i understand why it would create a lot of tension mm-hmm. but at the same time i'm still gonna say if yep. you're a couple and you're deciding to get married, you probably already had some difficult conversations about that and you you should you should have already aligned your values or t- distinguished or or just talked about where your values may be different and what mm-hmm. you expect from one another. So I think those are very adult conversations that you need to have before you get married. And
0: here's an interesting question. I so, wonder if uh difficult thing to measure but if you were to look at two different populations and you said the one where the woman makes uh, far less or is way underemployed or doesn't work and is entering into a relationship with a man and the man says, prenup, I wonder what her rea- those that group, Group A, the reaction would be compared to your example where the woman is very gainfully employed and has a lot to lose. What would Group B's reaction be? Hmm. I have a feeling... Um, women in your position are way, way, way more apt to say, Oh yes, prenup. Yes. Where do I sign? Yes. Let's go now. Let's, let's get this. Cause, um, there is whether it right or wrong, this is just something I've noticed and every man has noticed when you have a woman who is an earner, she, even, even though she may be CEO of some company and, and breaking in millions of bonuses, she still has a very hard time paying for, as your friend talked about, um, I don't want to take care of him if I don't have to. I'm certainly not going to take care of kids from, from previous marriage. And I'm not going to fund some hobby of his. If he likes to go skydiving or whatever, he's going to pay for that. For whatever reason, by virtue of our biology, culture, whatever it is, men seem to be more apt to, yes, I will just pay for whatever. Yes, fine. Much to our um, detriment from what I've seen. Yeah. So when I hear these stories of this man and the, the, the common storyline goes um, – I married this woman who had all this baggage galore and she just came to this relationship with just all kinds of horribleness and she, this past relationships of abuse and her mom and dad, and she was sexually abused and she was abandoned and it was just horrible, terrible thing, but I got in a relationship with her anyway. And then I married her and I'm like, and then we had two kids. I'm like, and then she decided she wanted to go to nursing school and I paid for the whole thing. And then she decided she wanted to go into some kind of little side business thing. And I paid for that too. I hear this again and again and again, and I paid for it and I paid for it and I paid for it. And the men just feel like a sense of honor doing that. Wow. I get to help this woman realize her dreams and how awesome of me. I don't, whatever that gene is called. The provider gene. The provider gene. For some reason, you ladies are kind of lacking in that. And you guys are, you guys, you ladies are much more apt to kind of raise your hand and go, uh, excuse me. I don't think so.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know if necessarily a gene or just a cultural thing. We just were raised being the princess that, you know, that you guys Mm -hmm. provide for. And we were just sitting there looking pretty and you guys saved us in all those Disney movies. So I think there's, it's not necessarily something we're born with, wanting to be be taken care of. It's more something we're raised to think.
0: So Suzanne Venker, I know she listens to this podcast. Be curious, Suzanne, if you're listening to this, we can talk about this later. If your clientele I know, which consists of a lot of professional women, do you find that they are very pro-prenuptial agreement? be curious to see what she says about that she has she's a good uh good barometer for what that culture so
1: my friend isla who is a medical professional when i told her that we did have a prenup she almost fell off her chair on the other end of the phone she was like why what you did and uh and i said yes because i i I made a lot of sacrifices along the way i didn't have kids very early on i you no, know, I knowing worked,
0: her and her disposition, that surprises me that she'd be like saying, What? And she's I so pragmatic. She'd be like, oh hell yeah. Yeah,
1: but no. You know, a lot of my friends and all of the, a lot of I would say most of my girlfriends are. Now came, either the breadwinners or she, was Mus- pre- she was pretty Muslim. high on the food chain. Yeah, she's Muslim.
0: Not. not Orthodox,
1: so and she's pretty. No, but she's uh, she's practicing.
0: But she doesn't cover up, and she doesn't.
1: No, but doesn't, she goes to mosque every weekend with no, her well, kid, and she does so cover Zed, up for there's that. There's a religious component there. Yeah, that's a good point. And she is uh, <laughs> from an African country too.
0: She's a. Uh, uh, African, technically an African American.
1: Well, yeah, she came here when she was 11. I guess that counts.
0: African American, Muslim, married to a extremely Caucasian man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> From the Northeast, snowy Northeast. Um, so interesting. Uh, but, uh, that doesn't surprise me when you think about her background. Like, yeah, I can see that she, the baggage that she brings to the, uh, and when you say baggage, I don't necessarily mean a whole bunch of negative stuff. I just mean the, um, the stuff she brings to the relationship includes that, um, uh, that religious component,
1: but sure. see. So, how do you think that you and I are doing with money? How we manage money? How we talk about money? Now that we're five, almost five years into this marriage,
0: I think we're doing all right. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I'm my uh, being extra ultra conservative with money. I have to loosen that leash quite a bit, especially considering the amount of uh, flying I have to do, which is well once a month. It adds up. Every now and then twice a month. That's thousands a year, the extra that I wouldn't spend, um, which adds other little things, which adds I have to buy something for over here that I also have for over there. And it sounds silly, but it adds up. And um, we, um,
1: yeah, we have a whole set of two bedrooms for the baby, pretty much.
0: Yeah, and you are the type of person that uh, you're not going to be happy five days a week just sitting and watching some Netflix. Some gal growing up in Indiana, her whole life would be like that. Sounds like a dream to me. Well, you're like, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think we can um, get a babysitter for the baby on Thursday and go to this place and spend a couple hundred bucks on dinner. Yep, that adds up.
1: I agree. That's um, unfortunately what I what I do. <laughs>
0: and,
1: <laughs> or uh, the whole, you know, and this is, I think, where I think we do it naturally, fairly, is when it comes to those vacations because. You would be fine just going to Florida every year.
0: Nah, I don't know. No, I don't no, think you necessarily. would
1: be No, you just yeah, said no, that the
0: other day. Here's my thing. Being fine means I'd be, I wouldn't I think men overall are easier to where we say, Am I gonna die if I go to Florida every year? No. Wow, how terrible. I get to see the beautiful beach. We've been to like uh, uh what's the place that we live? Seaside. Seaside. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, it is it's beautiful there. Yeah,
0: and the beach is like immaculate, and we're just like, wow, we had no idea this it's was It's very here, pretty compared to Destin, which is just like the Walmart of Florida. Yeah, but still pretty Destin.
1: beach. Yeah, just,
0: yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just threw Destin under the bus there. But um anyway, yeah, I, I, I'm I my friend Dave often makes fun of me, and he often says that I'm the guy that always go that always says um yeah i like it okay
1: <laughs> yeah i make fun of that
0: too yeah i'm I'm not super strict of god i fucking there are some things i hate but it's few and there are some things that make me go oh holy shit this is amazing but it's just a few i'm not one to go ape shit either way on stuff
1: well that's because you haven't been to the maldives over water okay. villas. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> but for the most part whatever you throw at me i'm like oh, i like it cool so if you said all right, here's the deal, dude. This is the only place you'll ever vacation from now until the day you die. I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> that's me. At least
1: I get a vacation. Is what yeah. you would do.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, what? Uh, do I have my health? Yes, you have your health. And sunny, sun hitting me on my face. Yeah. And it's warm. Yeah. yeah whereas- wow. sounds like I'm living like a king. It's, it's cool with me.
1: Well, yeah. But, but- when, you, when you tell me we're going to go to Florida for the rest of our lives every year, I would like I'd rather die. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So a little different. <laughs> Because you look at it like, but I want to go to Rome, but I want to go to Maldives. Well,
1: but I've been to 30 countries in my, in my so, life. Yeah,
0: so you're well-traveled. So I know down. there's
1: stuff out there. It's not so much about, I, I'm, I'm fancy and I need to know. I just, and I'm I've, hungry to I've see been, this planet.
0: Yeah, and I've been to almost every state in this country and I've been uh, into Europe and, is that it? Oh, no, Canada, South America, Europe, all, of, almost every state due to my work travels. Um and so it's almost like, uh, almost have been there, done that. And do I have this hungry, need? there are places I would love to go to and always have a checklist. I want to go to Italy and Greece and I want to go to, uh, I would love to see the pyramids in Egypt, which everyone tells me you're going to be. Total letdown. You're going to be disappointed, dude. Don't do it. But I was. they have some new museums. The there. Valley of
1: the Kings, so you can do but that. the new
0: museums there look amazing. I've, yeah. I've always been a huge Egypt nut ever since I was a little kid. So I'd love to go do that. So yeah, I have those little things. But um, I guess I'm a pretty simple dude when it comes to that kind yeah,
1: of stuff. Yeah, but you – so back back to that. So first of all, you are a simple dude, but I have totally introduced you to the good stuff. Yeah, that's true. And um, and the other thing – but you also – and that's how I love – what I love about our relationship is you also have made me more, I think, financially responsible in my thinking. I remember when we met first, you told me, you can't just live from paycheck to paycheck, girl. Like you have to put some money to the, on the side. And I was like, What? No. <laughs> then I can't, you know, buy this and this. And um that's when I realized maybe maybe I do need to put some money aside. And so now saving is actually one of my biggest things. If like if I can't put money to, to on the side on at well, the that, end of the month, I'm But I'm in pissed. your
0: in your defense when we say that that's when you were making relatively little amount of well,
1: yeah, money. But still, uh, yeah, but still it doesn't matter. You should always still. put part of your paycheck yeah, on
0: the But and but uh you know, it we're kind of painting the picture of you as being kind of this hoity toity person but when i met you you were in a little not shitty apartment but it was shitty it was that little nothing apartment with a mattress on the floor
1: it made my mom cry when she visited really yes (laughs) she was like i can't believe you're 32 would have to live like that (laughs) it's so
0: so, yeah but i look at that like here's a pragmatic gal it's like i work a lot of hours why the hell do i need a fancy place and i'm this is just i just slept on that ikea
1: couch and that was it
0: this isn't my final you know uh, place to live for the rest of my life it's just a step and so I, I, uh,
1: no, that's true. I'm not I that hoity toity, that. but that's no. the thing. i worked, and I've said this like four times in the podcast, I worked really hard to get where I am. I made a lot of sacrifices. I wasted my freaking youth. I mean, when other people were partying in Mallorca, I was spending night and day in the lab trying to create some mRNA for some dumb gene chip. So I, I think, um, I'm just trying to now live it up because I realized, oof, I'm, I'm over 40 now and I just had a baby and there's not much life left.
0: Over, you are 40.
1: I'm 41 in a month. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm, you know, time is flying away. And, and, and so this brings me back to, I think, we have figured out a way how to navigate our personalities on the financial level is where like when this cruise came up, for example, I said, Hey, there's a Thanksgiving deal on this cruise. We need to do it. And you're like, "Uh, that's a lot of money. Mm. We should be really saving given that you have two nannies and we just had a baby. I mean, we had a three month old at the time. Mm. And I said, yeah, but I really want to do it. And our oldest is moving out in the summer and I said, "This is our last time as a family, and it's baby's first birthday. We should do something special." And this dumb pandemic is finally easing up, and I just felt like this is the time to do it. And uh, and I said, "I don't care if you don't want to do it. I'm just going to pay for it." And there's two components to it that I like about that. I know that you're still going to pay for it at the end of the day, <laughs> because you you will you will want to contribute your part. But yeah. I can say that I can say here. This is what I want to do, and I can afford it if I want it. I don't want to put the pressure on you to have to say, yes, I'm going to pay for it because, girl, you wanted this, and I'm your husband, and I'm going to provide for you, and I'm going to buy this for you because you asked for it. No, I like it. I want it. It's my decision. I pay for it in up front, knowing very well that at the end of the day, we're going to still both be paying for it. But at least I don't pressure you into it. I don't make you feel obligated. I know you have three kids to take care of. I'm not really taking care of your kids financially. I buy them stuff here and there, but I'm not making a major contribution. And so I understand that you're out, your income has to provide for way more people than my income does. And so there'll always be a little bit of an imbalance there. And if I want to live the life that I want to live with you, and man, we missed so much because we didn't meet in the 20s. We, mm-hmm. we met in our late 30s. There's so much we still want to see, and who knows how long we're going to be healthy. So that's where I'm going. I'm pushing on the accelerator, you saying were, we need here. to see a few I things. I just want to point out
0: you were in your early 30s when we met. Yes,
1: I was. Delicious.
0: Sweet little second yeah. thing. <laughs> I was in my mid
1: 30s. I was so skinny. I loved it. <clears throat> still
0: looking pretty good. No,
1: but I think we, I think we, we do a good job with that. And then at the same time, there's there's never a discussion of who pays the check tonight for dinner. Either you grab it or I grab it. It's just never a fight about it. I don't think we've ever had a fight about money.
0: Mm. No. Really? And haven't. I think
1: that's because we stay independent. We we each take care of our own business. And like the other day where I said, you know, this cruise is actually adding up to be really expensive and I'm gonna be running up some credit card debt. Can we can you help me with that? And you'd be like, Yeah, no problem. So I think we we know when to say, hey, this isn't fair or and you need to help point
0: with that debt thing this is a um i think that's the crux of a lot of people's worries when it comes to money is and you alluded to it with your mom's husband the stepfather was um your partner could do things that could really harm you i could make some big bet on something Some investment or you bet a wager if I was a gambler and all of a sudden I lost all my money.
1: Yeah, same here.
0: And you could be, and I could come to you and go, I just lost all my money. I'm dead broke. And you have no legal obligation to dig me out of that hole, so to speak.
1: I don't, but of course I would because I love you.
0: Well, but you could say, like, that was really really stupid, dude. Um, You're going to put a plan to get it into place because guess what, dude? Um, I could leave you tomorrow and you're on your own. You're going to get half of my shit. Okay. <laughs> so there's no safety net there. That's huge. Um, because I think if we were to take this idea and say, let's say you became president of the United States and you decided prenups for all, you'd have a huge contingent of people, mostly let's be honest, mostly women saying, "Uh, hold on a second, sister. Let's talk about this first because I want to stay home with my children and I'm not about about to let this asshole make some dumb mistake like screwing around with his secretary at work or making some huge gamble or some huge investment that costs us everything. And I'm at my butt and I have no safety net. I need some kind of safety net here to take care of a kid and devote that is part of, of a prenup life. too.
1: You can put that in your prenup.
0: You could, but what, you know, the prenup from the man's perspective is um, the law is going to screw me over because I'm a man and I have a penis. So I need to help mitigate some of that and hedge my bets. And let's put some language in there that protects me from some of that. And like, um, I spoke to um, a gentleman the other day who uh, very well to do uh, business wise. And he split from his first marriage and the they had a prenup. And the prenup was when you looked at it, I'm like, Oh, she came out like a bandit. She did all right because it was you're going to get a nice fat check. Here you go. Go away. She still fought for her. She still took me to court. But after all those, all those tens of thousands of dollars, it still was. No, the prenup says this, this is what you get done. You know, be thankful you got that much. You didn't have to get, so it ended up being all right. <clears throat> but, um, so I don't know where I'm going with that is, uh, I don't know if it's realistic to say everyone should have, no. there are a lot of little scenarios. It doesn't
1: work where, for everybody.
0: But, uh, from our perspective, it makes a hell of a lot of sense. I don't know. You have to. You have to do a lot of convincing to tell me otherwise. Convincing that goes beyond. It's just not right. It's just anti-romantic. It's against the word of God. I don't know if you want to. I don't mean to be insulting when I say that, but there are some people I'm sure that say that that goes against the tenets of their faith. That that introduces business and money, and when it should be about. The relationship with God, but and but the a prenup.
1: But I think a prenup makes it about love, because if you are, if, uh, yeah, I would agree if, too. Yeah, because yeah. if you say, let's let's put all the finances aside, let's just sit that straight that that we don't ever have to worry about that money part because we love each other, and you are also you understand that you're always going to be together, so the prenup doesn't really matter. So I, I think. I think it takes a lot of the stress away from you so that you know, oh, this woman isn't marrying me for my money because she knows there's nothing See, that's for the her.
0: way I've always kind of looked at it too. Um, it, that's why I always say to men, maybe I'm being naive in this, but the fact that you were, well, when we met, you weren't necessarily gainfully employed, but you were one step away from being. It was just understood unless you were some, somehow incapacitated. Yeah, you were going to be making some pretty good bucks here coming up. Um, that that meant maybe i'm being naive even thinking this that well that means her attraction and her devotion to me is more real than if she was some cashier at walmart who looked at me and said oh this guy's got to go oh, all
1: those ladies that were looking for sugar daddy on
0: tinder yeah he could uh, this guy could take care of me and my kid from my first marriage and i mean yeah look at this guy well you were just like no well, I'm, I'm gonna be making pretty big bucks and because of that hey sign here dude i don't want you taking all my money i'm like sounds good to me you don't have to say you don't have to tell ask me twice um yeah I you know I think we're both in agreement I don't see the big deal and well then okay so now people are going to be asking questions all right it's cool I get it so how do you guys handle the finance we stuff? still
1: have separate accounts
0: we have i have my own bank accounts you have yours but we do have a joint one we do which we throw money into for to, our mortgage to cover that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. And we
1: share a house um technically we don't share the second house but you're still on the co of the loan. So we kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> so there, this, is, and this is where you see, oh, okay, it's not clear cut. We still have crossover of the financials, but we have a pretty clear um, division of whatever we brought into the marriage we're taking out. But the stuff that we're acquiring during the marriage, that's kind of more of a 50-50 thing, which I think is just fair because we're building it together, we're buying it together. Mm-hmm. And um, you could argue, well, one person pays more into this mortgage, but then the other person paid more into vacations or whatever. So I think if you really want to be, you know, split hairs and get to that level of pettiness, and I think you're definitely not talking about a marriage based on love, then you're really talking about a marriage with well, people hey, petty.
0: You, Well, there you go. There's some people going, no, that's exactly what I would do. I would get out a spreadsheet and say, May? sweetheart, you spent $50 on this last month. I spent 75. A little bit of a discrepancy And there. maybe
1: you're like that. Maybe you're, you're that type of person that, that wants to have that clarity and that might work yeah. for you. But I think for us, so far I haven't felt resentful towards anything that i've spent and i hope you could say the same Mm -hmm. um and i would hope that we have the comfort level with each other to bring it up when when one of us feels like they're paying too much for something
0: this is really kind of a good barometer for the health of your relationship if you can't talk about dollars ones and zeros math numbers the most pragmatic and non-emotional stuff well in my mind money money always has emotion tied to it but in terms of you know it's math how much you bring? How much I bring? Who gets what? When and how? If you can't handle that, you're not going to be able to handle a lot of the big stuff.
1: Yeah, but I mean, if you want to go to the detail, we we uh, I remember for my green card, um, we had to provide proof that our marriage is not fake, and one of the documents that they listed as an example to prove that our marriage is leg- legit was to provide a joint bank account, and I was like, what the hell is this? Not not 1950. We're uh, we don't have to have a joint bank account to prove that we're legally married or like legitimately married. So,
0: but, but I see their point.
1: Yeah, right? I see I their point, but but it just things shows things, how yeah. common it is. And and we really we use that only to pay some some like utility bills and some repairs on the house. But I have my own savings. I have my own retirement plan. I do have a life insurance that le- names you. Um, same
0: same year. So if you're yeah. wondering, yeah, if something happens to me, she gets money that will take care of the houses and everything yeah. else, and vice versa. So, um, um,
1: but but for example, your kids, I'm not paying for Lucy's college Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i mean i hope you didn't expect me to to talk about that (laughs) (laughs) and but then uh, you're not paying for my nannies and i think that's just fine because i chose my job i you know i live there in texas and i could have moved here and said hey i'm going to stay here for the next five years
0: but that right there i think a lot of men would hear that and go "Uh, this dude lucked out because there is we talked about this in that previous podcast the entitlement thing there's a lot of women listening to that saying "He, he doesn't pay for what Sweetheart, he should pay for everything, and you'd be like, "Why? Because he's the man, damn it!" And mm. you're like, "Oh, here we yeah. go." but um. you
1: know, you make a, yeah, but okay. So, so let's say I don't want to pay for the nannies because it's a stupid amount of money. D- d- what what would happen? Then I would draw away from your money that you have available to your kids. But you have three of them. I have one. I can <laughs> afford a little a little bit of nanny business for a few years. I just don't think it's, I don't know if fair is the right word, but I really wanted this kid more than I think you did. And I said, I am going to make this kid work because I know for you, this is a big step back because your kids are grown and you're finally financially happy and you're in a great place. And But this is my wish. I want this baby and I decided I'm going to work as hard as I can to provide for this baby so you don't feel like this baby is just another burden onto your life, but it's actually an enjoyable experience for you. And th- I think that's how it is. But there will be days where I'll say, eh, can you pay for dinner? Can you, you know, and I know that we talked about, I think the mortgage payment for the second house, I reduced that. So I think we're, we're finding a way without having to really openly talk about it, where we, we, we find a balance and we find some fairness and we help each other out. Always understanding that you you can't always say, oh, this isn't fair, because nothing in life is fair. Mm -hmm. and it's always a a, we work together to make each other happy and whatever it makes me happy to operate and work in my job and as hard as it may be for you to understand that i really want to work full-time you help me out with that by not nagging by not you know making me feel bad about leaving my kid with strangers um and you and you just let me do my thing and it's the same thing with you. I, I know that your business is maybe risky and it could tank or it could not or it could, could explode and, you, you know, be, become a billionaire in a few years. Oh, and I support well, okay. you with whatever you do as much as I can financially and with time and with, with love. But that's just what you do as a couple. And there's no fairness here. There's no, well, I gave you five minutes of my time, but you gave me $10 of, of your bill. It's just that's just not how you work in a marriage. I that's, think.
0: that's where it can go in a hurry when you got some resentments and everything else built up. so
1: Yeah, but I think that's when you have a big framework. The big framework is clarified by having a prenup because that already sets the mood of, hey, this is where we're going to be in our marriage. We're going to be separate. We're going to be each independently responsible for our stuff. Then the, the tone is just set for the rest of the marriage of, hey, you help yourself. If you need my help, I'm your partner. I'm there. I love you. I'm always going to be there for you. I will help you out. But it's not an understood thing. That, that's the part I like about having a financial setup before you get married.
0: So what do you guys think? Um, is this unusual? Is that, I, I have a feeling based upon what I'm hearing from guys, especially the divorce guys, listening to when I describe some of this stuff, like in previous meetings and podcasts and stuff, they say, uh, yes, yes, that's what I want. That's what I want. I want a woman who does that. Um, to which I say, okay, then. Didn't do that. I don't <laughs> like. Well, yeah, but good luck trying to find a woman who who wants to do that. Um, so there's that fight between I really want a woman and I really want a partnership, and I really want this very pragmatic look at the financial side of it. But that's so rare that it's either or. Either I take a woman or we do the financial thing because I can't have both. And I'm just like, maybe I lucked out. Maybe I lucked out with a woman who's really uh, rational when it comes comes to this kind of stuff. But uh, frankly. From where I sit, hey, take it or leave it, sweetheart. This is this is how it is. And I think uh, if she was smart, she'd think the same way. But I'm a little prejudiced in this, and uh, that's my perspective. I could be wrong. <laughs> we could be wrong. That's true. But uh, what do you guys think? So let me know. Uh, let's talk about this in the uh, DSO fraternity groups. Uh, for those that don't know what the hell I'm talking about when I say DSO fraternity do me a favor, if you would, and go to dadstartingover.com slash join, J-O-I-N, dadstartingover.com slash join, and check out the members-only group that we have. we got some big things happening there. We just revamped our website, and coming very soon is an app, a mobile app that our members will be able to use. So no longer do they need to jump from Facebook for private conversation groups to the website for signing up for meetings. To No, they just do everything right in one app. Very cool, very excited about that. That's a new thing that's coming soon. And we revamped the website. Our members are seeing that now and slowly but surely coming over and leaving Facebook for their discussions. We have, right now, we have three different private Facebook groups we use for our uh, member forum. In addition to that, we have live member meetings. Um, we have hundreds of member meetings that have been recorded, each of them an hour or more. Some of them here lately have been like two hours long. So we have hundreds of hours of meetings that you can listen to. We have a private member only podcast. Where I and some of the coaches get on there and babble about all kinds of stuff. We have my uh, my books in audiobook format as well as PDF that you can download and read. I mentioned the discussion forums, and we also have uh, in-person meetups called Brofests, where we get together. We're having one coming up here soon in April, in August, or excuse me, in April in Austin, Texas. Excuse me. Uh, really looking forward to that um, Brofest. Austin is going to be pretty huge. We have dr robert glover is going to show up so you can hang out with him have dinner listen to him give a presentation as well as gs youngblood from masculine relationship you may know the book as well as suzanne venker and uh, christy vacaro a, a fitness instructor from las vegas so we have a really cool group on tap to learn from it's an entire weekend get to hang out with guys in the group hang out with these awesome uh, personalities that are pretty big in their field and we're very excited about it. So check it out. The DSO fraternity dad, starting com slash join and Mrs. DSO. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And uh, guys, we will see you on the next one. Have a good one. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self improvement. You probably consume a lot of information like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be and if you're like a lot of men there's something still missing well i can tell you what that missing thing probably is quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood but none of them seem to be on the same page as you am i right They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.